Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Standing by the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by the UPS Store Canada. It's another episode of season five of the podcast, and to celebrate this episode, Ted and I have matching blouses on. It's the uh, it's the blue shirt episode. This episode brought to you by blue t shirts. I didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, we didn't check with each no, other we before we yeah. left the house yeah. this morning. Yeah. And uh, that's here we are in uniform. If you're watching on YouTube, you know what yeah, it's yeah. all about. But yeah. if if you're you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it doesn't. It, you're saying who cares? Yeah, it's, who cares uh, what you're wearing? Yeah, shut the fuck up. It yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> get on with it, man. Yeah. Um, and we can't get on with it without our friends at the UPS Store Canada. Um, while we were recording, um, or while I was in town to record the episodes. Uh, we did a little makeshift video in front of a UPS store on Sources Road. Um, that location has been there for quite some time, and so have the other 370 locations across the country. The UPS store, I know what you what you think when you see the UPS logo. You think of the truck and the shipping company, but there's more in the UPS store that can help you, your family, or your business. For example... They do uh, not just packaging and shipping. They also do mailbox services. A lot of people like to open a separate mailbox for an at-home business. They can help you with that. Need a new passport photo? They can help you with that. Need to shred some documents? They can help you with that. Looking for um, uh, great packaging? You know, you're looking for packing peanuts? Looking for that kind of thing? Packing tape? They can help you with all of that. So if you run a small business from home, or you need to get that vase to Auntie Griselda out in Saskatchewan. You need a new auntie. It's always <laughs> Griselda. How about Aunt Effie? Aunt your, Effie. your great Aunt Effie. Your great Aunt Effie needs that vase. They can help you ship it and pack it. And as I like to remind you, the people running these stores are entrepreneurs themselves. They're all franchise owners who understand what it is to run a small business. And they're all local folks, yep, too, from your right. community. They, they could be the guy who fires up the lawnmower at 7 o'clock in the morning and... <laughs> Robs you of that valuable weekend sleep. Hell of a businessman, though. Go to his store. The UPS Store Canada. So go to the upsstore.ca and uh, find uh, the location nearest you. Um, Speaking of people from the neighborhood, uh, we got a a nice Verdun boy in with us. Yes, we sure do. And I was born and raised in Verdun, so I really, uh, well, I was born partially raised in Verdun, and then I was raised on the Island. Don't hold that against me, Sterling. That's okay. okay. It's okay. Because <laughs> okay. you never you, left for death. You, you, can tell, never left. you can tell by the way he's saying that's okay. Yeah, that it's it wasn't not okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was a choice. It was a choice. We don't always make the best ones. My my mom was born on LaSalle Boulevard. My dad was born on Moffitt. We grew up, I, I, I was born on Moffitt. 
the last place we had was Osborne. I went to St. Thomas More, which I'm sure is Ecole Kelka shows now. No, it's an empty school. Oh, it's an empty school. It's an empty school. That's uh, because there are no English kids to send there. Uh-huh. Um, and um, uh, so I, I, I do have, I got bona fide for Dun Roots. I really do. And you're in my sector, in my district. Everything that you just named is, is that right? much my that's district. Your, yeah. That's your area? Yeah, yeah. Demarcia yeah. Crawford, yeah. There you go. Crawford Park, that's the fancy part now. That hey, is, yeah. It's funny. How, it's funny how social housing for veterans becomes uh, a gated community. It's eh? all it's, gentrified now, is it? Well, you well, know, five thousand dollars for a house in nineteen fifty-three, yeah. and now one point one million dollars in Crawford Park. In Crawford Park, yeah, yeah, all war housing. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. Because when I was a kid, I remember there was a Canadian minister that lived on Beatty, and we thought there's only enough room for about five or six rich people in Verdun, and they all live in Be- on Beatty. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's true anymore. Well, this was eh? before Nuns Island, right? It was when, it was there when Nuns Island yeah, was still right. a forest. Yeah, that, that's and, right. And there were still nuns. Did we, proper, <laughs> did we, did we properly introduce no, our sir, guests? No, sir, we, no, did we didn't. No, Okay. Sterling Downey is a Montreal city councillor. Uh, that is just one of many hats Sterling has worn over the years. And uh, I was saying earlier this morning on a Facebook video that I did that in a season of eclectic guests... And I mean this with the with the greatest of, of respect and admiration, Sterling. You are the most, you are more eclectic than all the rest of our <laughs> guests combined. Your history is so colorful, and your your personality is is so big. It's just I'm really looking forward to this. Half of what was going on before the cameras started to roll and the microphones were on, I was saying. This would be good on the podcast. Yeah, stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> save, it for the, save it for the podcast. And I'm also going to apologize in advance because at least once during the podcast, I'm going to call you Stuart. That's fine. Does that ever happen to you? Or am I the only it one hap- with that mental block? It happens. Well, at least you're not going to call me steering. No. <laughs> so that's good. As long as you don't call me steering. You know, I've been. I've got Stuart. I get Stuart a lot. There's. Yeah. Uh, I know somebody from the Black Watch uh, who would... Uh, would love that. He well, calls me Stuart all the time. It's a good Scottish name. Mm. Uh, I guess as is Sterling. Does Sterling have Scottish roots or is that more of an English name? <sighs> you know, it's it's questionable. Unfortunately, my parents passed away when I was young and and, and my grandparents. But I mean, my understanding is my grandmother was Welsh, li- grew up in England, though, in Bermondsey. So the Sterling is more, I was named after uh, Sterling Moss, who you know is a famous formula, yep, that's right. formula yeah. driver, yep. and also Sterling Lyon who was the premier of BC. Manitoba. Uh, Manitoba. Manitoba. Sorry, Manitoba. You're yeah. right. So I hated my name as a kid. Those are the two stories I got. You're named after two very famous people. And ironically, I lived life in the fast lane, like you said, and God forbid I ended up in bloody politics. <laughs> so, so, so it is true. Be careful what you name your children yep. because it will define their future. And um, yeah, but yeah, English, I guess, because it's spelled with an E, right? So yeah. it's not with an I. So the I would be the Irish yeah. Scottish version, I think. And the and E yeah. is the English. My dad had a business partner named Sterling spelled the same way as yours. And he used to call him Sterl. People yeah. call you Sterl? People call me Stir, Sterl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I would imagine in Montreal, it's Sterling. Sterling. Yeah. Sterling. Now, yeah. My <laughs> close friends call me, if I'm allowed to say it on here, they call me fucko. Okay. <laughs> just so you know. that My very close friends that have known me for a very long time just call me fucko. Not only are you allowed to yeah. say it on yeah. here, we insist. <laughs> the Honorable Deputy Mayor, <laughs> fucko. It is what it's it is. your honor. <laughs> well, it's a dishonorable His, yeah, yeah. fucko. His worship, fucko. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. Sterling, um, you... You, you said you had a, a pretty colorful childhood, teenage years? Extremely colorful. Okay. So 
you know, I'm very, I'm very open and very vocal about the stuff I've done because I think my track record throughout, throughout my career has shown where my values and convictions are. And like everybody, you know, when you're a kid, you make mistakes, you look for things, you try to figure out who you are, your identity. And, uh, you know, born and raised in Verdun. So, yep. you know, uh, you get cut from two cloths, you know, you've got some people who come from not well off, but decent means. And then you got people like me who my father was a second world war veteran. He had me when he was 51 years old. So, you know, when I was 13, 14 years old and I wanted to skateboard or do something, my father was like, why aren't you working? Why aren't you doing right. this? Why aren't you serious? Not realizing that that man two years later when he was 16 was off on a Corvette on the Atlantic and in one of the biggest theaters of war. He lied. They all lied uh, about their age, right? Yeah, my suppose, uncle, his yeah. brother, prisoner of war, sunk on the Athabascan in one of the survivors in, in the English Channel and oh. he was lucky to survive. Um, so I come from tough love. Yeah. To some degree. And I come from roll up your sleeves, get the job done. If you got to, if you're up until two in the morning and you're supposed to be up at six, yep. you get up at six and you suck it up. Yeah. That's hard on a teenager, right? So, you know, and also, you know, a tall kid, big kid with a weird name at the first. So, you know, I got bullied a lot. I got teased a lot. I, I didn't really fit in. I was very t- timid. Mama's boy brought up by my grandmother, my aunts and all that. And unfortunately, you know, those things had an impact on me in terms of who I was. And the kids in my neighborhood, some of them were tougher with me than others. And that led me, by the time I went into high school, to start to really figure out, like, I was really afraid of certain people, so I had to stand up for myself. Unfortunately, got into punk rock music through skateboarding. Wasn't allowed to have a mohawk when I went to Argyle Academy back in the day in Verdun, or the old Verdun yep. High. Came Argyle Academy, these uniforms. Wasn't allowed to have a mohawk or do anything. Even today, I would never even, never even try to put a mohawk on considering my respect for first peoples but at that time i was like oh well you can shave your head so you know i was like punk rock army boots shaved head and then that led to getting associated with certain gangs of people became a skinhead didn't realize the ideologies got sucked into some of those ideologies very american history x okay movie. very yeah. very That's a much, great movie by very the way. powerful movie and i have movie. to say a very true story and yeah. i can really identify with it because what happens is it 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 slowly gets chipped away at it's your insecurities your mm-hmm. you know you want to fit in you want to do things sometimes you'll you'll bend and do things a certain way to fit in and you won't speak up got sucked into that for a couple of years about two years of my life it was very 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 difficult kind of ride because i mean you know it's, it's some serious stuff that i was involved in at 14 hanging out with 25 year olds was lucky that i was always had a good head on my shoulders had good seeds planted in my head managed to get out of it by the age of 19, I started doing gang intervention work on my own. Saw kids that were getting sucked into these things. I was like, no, you're not going to do this. And that kind of started me on a path to doing youth work, doing other things. Got involved in graffiti. Started my festival at 22. So I became a very well-known vandal in the city. You know, sued for arrested. <laughs> That'd be for a good a punk rock dollars. band name, yeah. the well-known vandals. Well-known yeah. vandals, there you go. <laughs> but did that and, you know, so I had a rocky thing, worked in the clothing industry and brand management and marketing right here up on Chabanel. And, you know, in this area, I was working here for about 10 years, doing my festival at the same time and just always kind of fighting for something. Always, I guess the point of that is there was always a fight. There always seemed to be a fight. I always had to find some sort of conflict. I needed some sort of a challenge, but I didn't know how to really, I guess, target that energy or, or, place it properly and uh yeah you know 40 years old i turn 39 you know somebody comes up to me and it's like oh you know you should run in politics the first thing i do is laugh and i think of house of cards and i think of that scene in house of cards where i don't know if you remember in the first season before it got before it got canceled first season the the, the bald guy i forgot the character's name but uh 
think something happens with some drugs and maybe some shady women and something happens anyways. And at a certain point, he has to tell, he has to be like, oh, you have to tell us everything so we know, so we can manage this crisis if it goes out publicly. <laughs> My entry into politics, I felt like it was a little bit like that. Not the drugs, because I'm straight edge, and I, it's very important to mention that. And because of what I saw when I was a teenager, I stopped drinking, doing drugs, and everything by age of 21. So I've been completely sober since the age of 21. Um, but when I entered into politics, I sat them down and I said, do you, do you like, you know who I am? Do you, you, you read the news? <laughs> so this is me being ignorant, like not knowing. And they, you know, they just want to hear me go. Told them everything about my past. Told them everything about from that point to here. And they were like, yeah, we knew all this. Did it's it fine. come up? Because yep. that, that. I brought that, it up. No, well, you brought it up, but did did it did it appear in you know during the campaign? Yep. Did anybody try and paint you with it? So, so again, where I'm born and raised, people know me, right? Right. So they know that kid who was before that, right. that, and then after that, they saw it. So anyone who doesn't know, it's obviously if you take just a section of that, and you try to paint a picture based on a section of that, yeah. then it's very specific. Now, if you do that, it's fine. You can. But remember, that's a 14-year-old kid that you're judging. Yeah. That you're not judging a 40-year-old man. Now. No. You're judging a 14-year-old kid because today, if I was doing that, that's a different story. Right. Then I was a confused kid. Um, so in the, my second campaign, not in my first one, but in my second one, obviously because I talk about it so much and I'm very public, everyone knew. So in my second campaign, there were people who did door-to-door -door and did tell people that I was an ex-skinhead and tried to use that to sway opinions. Yeah. It might have worked on some people, but a lot of people would answer and say, well, yeah, we know him and we know his thing. It's on the news. He talks about it. He works with youth. He works with this. He does that. People were like, it doesn't, what, what are you trying to, to say? It's like, that's not what he is now. And that's, he was 14. He was a well, minor. That, that's, that's the dribble of uh, the, um, the Trump politics. Well, that and that's what it was. begins to dribble into... No, you know, not just provincial and federal politics, yep. but even municipal politics. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, have you heard? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was, I'm lucky. I guess I'm, I guess I'm lucky. And I mean, you know, uh, I think anyone who knows me or has taken the time to know me knows I'm kind of a no bullshit person. It's I, 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 that's the one thing that I learned, I think from my father, that as much as I had a difficult upbringing, I think I learned one thing that always stuck with me, which was if you do something, you're accountable. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to do yep. it, you bloody well better be willing to assume it. Yeah. You can change, but you got to assume it. And again, same thing. You sign up to go to war at 16, you lie yeah. about your age. By the yeah. time you're out on the Atlantic mm. and you're being torpedoed, yeah. you can't just turn around and say, oh, I lied, <laughs> yeah. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, yeah. you're, you're in this now. And, oh, yeah. and you're oh, and yeah. So that always kind of stuck and resonated yeah. with me where there's a consequence with an action. And it's funny because it's something that, and I'm proud to say, and I, and I believe it, it's something that has guided me through municipal politics because I know who I am. I know what my beliefs are. I know what my values are. I know that I can make mistakes. I can change opinions. I can change my own opinion. I can change my position on something. But I also know that nobody else is going to make me drink a, the Kool-Aid and follow. If I follow something, it's because I actually believe there's merit to it. If I don't believe it, I'm not a 14-year-old kid that you're going to convince to do something that he wasn't, you know, go do this. Because uh, we'll we'll accept you if you do this. It's so like, no. When you were making the decision, when people were you were telling how you know the, the people on the team how and being honest with them, and they said that's okay, we don't care, we know your reputation, run for us. Yep. What about the reverse of that? How did you have to make a decision based on what they represented? 
because it's a big town with a lot of different counselors and you know a mayor who in my opinion seems to pay attention only to a certain part of the town those are those are those are decisions you have to make as somebody who needs to represent the people of Verdun but has to carry the baggage of decisions that are made at city hall that's a difficult decision to make is it not it's 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 huge it's a huge burden and you know somebody said to me when i ran because basically the reason i tried to discourage them from having me run wasn't because I mean, I shouldn't do it. It was because I didn't, I was still that 14 year old kid in my head in a certain way. I was still insecure. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the confidence. I have a high school education. I was always told I'm never going to go anywhere in my life. So I became an entrepreneur and I just decided and made my own rules. So this was a new thing where I was being thrown this opportunity, this privilege to represent a community, this responsibility, this weight, this burden, this whatever you want to call it, this anchor but this great privilege. And I was like, can I actually rise up to this and do this? Like, can Sterling Downey from, you know, Crawford Park, who was in all of these problems, can I actually do this? And somebody, you know, people in my neighborhood, like I kind of put it out there and I kind of talked to some people and some older people. And they said, well, one, this is a great opportunity. Your parents would be proud of you. This is like, you know, my parents had passed. So that weighed a lot on me being like, okay, this is something I can do in honor of them. My father served. I didn't have the discipline to serve in the military. But, oh, maybe this is a way I can serve also my community and, and do something good for people and, and defend them, be a voice. And somebody said to me, they said, they said, you've been like this activist, this graffiti writer, this whole thing for fighting for all this stuff for like 20 X amount of years. They're like, aren't you tired from fighting from the outside in? Mm. And they and they literally said, they said, you know, if you go into the machine, you can disrupt just as much as you can from the outside. But it's important that you stay you. Were can you say who saw that in you? Who approached you about that? Can just, you say? Just, just people in my community, just parents, yeah. just just el- older people. Who so I not knew. one specific person. No, because no, not not any specific person. Because my biggest fear was losing myself. Because again, look at me. I'm full of tattoos. I'm I'm a very specific person. I speak a specific way, but I'm very respectful. I care. I have a huge heart. And when I say I'm going to do something, I fucking do it. Those are values that are that are important. And I know myself and I know my path. So when people were like, you can do this, I'm like, ah, but ah, but what if I become someone else? What if I lose myself in this? And again, part of it was because I had my own opinions, like a lot of people do when they say, oh, you're all the same. Oh, you're all suits and ties. You're all spoiled. You're all... And I never took the time to get to know, and I wasn't really engaged in politics. So to me, it was punk rock, right? It was like suit and tie guy, screw you. Yeah. Stick it to the man, you know, American <laughs> idiot, you name it. But, like, it was all this stuff that was going on. But I was like, okay, well, maybe I also have to listen. And it's funny because my father would have said the same thing if he was still alive. He would have said, you know, and he used to tell me these things. He goes, when we were in the Navy, we sink a submarine, depending on the day, depending on what happened. And he didn't tell me all the stories. But, like, he was like, those men or those boys are the same as me. And I have to accord and afford them similar respect because – if I'm the one who's in the water and they torpedo me, then if there's no rules and there's no respect, then anything goes and you can't have that. So politics was kind of the same thing, which was, I was like, I'm judging these people. Maybe let me get in, see, worst case scenario, I, I, I leave. You know, I try it. Were there things that you thought while you're making that decision, were there things in Verdun that you thought to yourself, yeah, maybe I could help 
that those people, maybe I can fix that. Maybe we can do this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's files. Like I live next to the Douglas hospital, right? So I, right. I'm born and raised on the fact that the hospital has been trying to sell off land for you name it, how many years to right. build, build row houses and things like that, just so we can do it. And there's been mayors in the past that have been very favorable, but Crawford park and, you know, even the Stevens side and all that, that's a big green space for us. That's a natural space. You've got Angry Al Park on one side. You got the Douglas Hospital. You got the river. You got this. I mean, you're basically living in the country in the city. You're yeah. seven minutes away from downtown. I, by didn't, metro. Know, I didn't know this about the Douglas. It's one of the yeah, most beautiful but, pieces but of land. But they've been trying to develop it and they're still trying. Of course. And, and the government will one day probably manage to do it because they have ways of doing it. But so that was one of the first things I was like, oh, this is a fight that I remember people talking about when I was a kid. I didn't understand it. But now I'm like, now my parents are passed. I still have the house. I've never moved. I'm like, oh, how will this affect me? Because I, I I appreciate going there, walking through there with my dogs or something. So small things like that, you yeah, know. There were yeah. there were there were issues growing up in the neighborhood. The schools schools were a big issue, right? Because Riverview Elementary, you remember the battle to, the, with yeah, Riverview Elementary when Lester yeah. Pearson was going to close down that school. It was brick and mortar. Them, they don't yeah. care. That's where I went to school. That's where I learned to speak French. That's where I was bullied, but also I have a lot of good stories. That's where there were teachers who believed in me. I wanted my kid to go there. Yep. There's no way in hell on my watch I was going to let this school close down. And we rallied other people and great people got involved and we fought and we kept that school open and now it's it's thriving. Same thing with my old high school. You know, like Ar Argyle Academy was already closed. It was already a French school. But then I finished my last year of Verdun Catholic. So when I, I the stage I graduated on is the same stage that I give diplomas to the kids of my friends that's very cool and for me and i and i always say it when i'm on that stage to those kids i say i got my diploma on this stage same as you and now look at what my job is and i still live here you don't have to leave yeah you don't have to let anyone ever make you believe that you're not better or good enough or whatever i am a living example that if i can do this every single one of you can do this in that room and these are my friends that went to school with me that are there and i'm telling that to their kids but the message is also resonating with them. So, you know, what is affecting change? What is the kind of thing that you can do? And, you know, it's the same thing I was saying before with the previous guest was, you know, when I was named deputy mayor of the city of Montreal, I mean, that's a, a fancy swanky little title it's to have. It's a big deal. Yeah. Well, it's a, it is, right? But, like, I mean, what, what, does that, what powers does that come with? And again, does it really matter, right? So power is an interesting thing, too. Like, what, what can you do with power? But... If I was to ask you to name who was the deputy mayor before me of Montreal, Not or who's the deputy mayor now, <laughs> no, no. if I asked you, no. so it's what you do with it. If you don't, if you don't treat it as if it's important, then you, it's just the title. And I was like, what can I do with this? Well, kids that are in gangs, or when I do youth intervention, or I do mentorship with youth that are struggling that aren't great in school, like me. Hey, I'm the deputy mayor of the city of Montreal now. You know that. You could be the deputy mayor of the city of Montreal. If I can do it and I barely passed mm -hmm. high school with 60. So the thing is, it's how you use those things. And that's the power you give to it. And then you can actually inspire people and do things. So that's where I've been lucky. And that's where I was glad that I made the choice to go right. in. Because I've managed to be able to affect change. What What's changed for you uh, in terms of uh, your ideology or your politics What's changed or evolved since you've been, as you describe it, on the inside? Has anything, have you, do you look at anything differently now than you did before you started? 
I definitely look at things differently. I have a, I really have a hard time. I'm sorry. You know the whole saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Right. So it's like, I'm the worst, but I'm the best example of that because I am not good at debating. I am good at yelling at people. I am good at, <laughs> I am good at yeah. griping. I am good at saying no. Like, I am not great at selling stuff. I am, I am very good at putting this in your face. This is the reality with conviction. I will stand behind it. I will fight tooth and nail, but I'm not very nice about it. Like I'm not very soft about transition or things. It's like, it's like, you should know this is the deal. So, you know, so I've learned to kind of shave a little bit of that off and become a little bit more diplomatic. Um, I've learned to listen a lot more to people. And I mean, there's always two sides to something. One of the most valuable lessons I think I learned in politics since I came in was I like to deal with it. I don't care about huge policy things. It's not my issue. I mean, it's day to day. Where can I affect the change that's going to affect you or you today? And if I can affect a lot of change for individuals, then I'm, then, then it's, it's an actual impact, right? So what I realized through, through taking that approach was your reality, I might disagree with it, but your perception and your reality belongs to you. And that's, it is your reality. It is your perception. What's happening in front of your house on your street is real. It's real to you. That's what you're saying. It may not be real to me because I don't live there and I'm only coming by from time to time. But this is something that profoundly affects you because it's happening to you. And you and I had to learn how to listen to that rather than convince not convince somebody that they're wrong. It's like, no, you're right, but how I, do we fix it? I've experienced this with you because yeah. when I first met I remember you, the Bike path. Yeah. On Galt. I remember it, yeah. our conversations. Yeah. 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 W- w- Wellington had just been turned into yeah. a pedestrian. Uh, and Galt uh, is a night was a nightmare. W- yeah, it was a horror show. Up still sometimes is. And and rather than say to me, you stupid old boomer person, you don't understand the planet is dying, you said, Listen, we've already thought about this. Yeah. There's parking on that street, yeah. and we've put parking yeah. on this street, and we've put signs up on the street saying these Directing are the places to, yeah. where you can park your yeah. car and yeah. walk. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay, so you do want people to come down here yep. if they have to use a car yep. and enjoy what we've created on Wellington, um, and you've accommodated that. Yep. that. That ideology that exists in City Hall has not been well explained to the citizens as you explained it to me. And you know, and, it, and it's interesting that you say that because one of my biggest grievances that I have in politics or with even my colleagues in some cases is how information is transmitted to people. A lot of times, and it's, and I'm not slighting anyone that I, that I, that any of my colleagues, I'm not slighting them. I mean, everyone has their own style. Everyone has their own way. It may serve you well. It may not serve you well. I mean, I've been reelected three times by my community and I've been elected by people who disagree with me, but who respect me because they know that I respect them. I will listen. And when it comes time to fight for something they want, they know they got a guy like me in their corner. I will fight. If I believe it, if I understand it, if I understand the issue and I can get behind the issue, I will fight tooth and nail. But it, it's, it's part of listening and bringing people to something and not trying to convince them right. that they're wrong and I'm right. Well, and also you didn't roll your eyes at me. No. <laughs> you know <laughs> you what can't I mean? do that. Oh, Christ, another one of these guys. No, but you can't do that. And the thing is, yeah. every, but your perception was right at mm-hmm. that moment. Right. That's what you saw, right? And that's what's real, and it was, and it was real, and it's not just real to you; it's real to a lot of other people. If you're saying it, other people think it. So let me ask you this: Last night, I I was on my way to dinner with friends, and uh, I was standing in front of the television, and on the local news, 
the lead story was another $30 million for a bike pass. And and I thought... How did I know that was going to come up? Well, <laughs> here it comes. No, no, because I was... <laughs> this is good. It's, it's, good. it's a legitimate yep. question, yep. I think, 100%. I want to ask you. 100%. Um, because the, it's, the, the mayor has been in power now for a while, and there is no denying that it's it's part of her vision yep. for this city 100% right? and 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 it it resonates with a lot of people and mm-hmm. it's considered to be very 21st century mm-hmm. and it's very european and mm-hmm. there's a you know some days i think to myself she would like it if we could turn it into copenhagen mm-hmm. and i understand the the driving force behind that but i always get the the feeling and largely it comes out of city hall because when confronted with that question the answer is always no 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 that's this is not what we're doing we're not doing that we're just we want to make it for the pedestrian the cyclist and but slowly but surely there's another street closed and another no turn sign and another street closed and another block with planters and there seems to be it seems to be part of the vision for the city. So my question is, why not just say the the city needs to evolve and the city that you grew up in doesn't work in 2023 and we're going ahead with this. Well, and 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 you you make an extremely valid point because watch, if I was to tell you like we're roughly all from the same generation ish. So that's not me aging you guys. I am just saying because no, I have more gray hair than yeah, 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 we're probably about that. fifteen years ahead of you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But still, still, same. Yeah. Still, we yeah, grew yeah, up yeah. on the same values. Yeah. We grew up from the oh, same. Because yeah. my father was that's fifty-one. Right. Yeah, so, if your dad yeah. was. So in, I was raised yeah. probably the same way you guys yeah. were. Yeah. Boot in the arse generation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're going to spoon the belt. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so your point's valid because if I would have said, imagine if we back in our youth, right, would have been forced to take the tramway. Mm-hmm. Rather than right. be able to get a car at sixteen, right? We would have been be yeah. like, no, you yeah. guys are outdated. I'm not taking yeah. the tramway. I, I can get my license at sixteen, yeah. and it's like I'm getting a car. And I did, and I'm and I did no, but that's <laughs> yeah. it. But yeah. so, but my father when he was sixteen didn't have a car. No. So if I would have told that to him, he would have been like, "You don't need a car. Right. Take the train, take the tramway, or whatever." We walked to school. Uh, we yeah. fought bears <laughs> going to school. Yeah. You know, like no, but I'm you know, both ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, but so so the thing is, it's true. Cities evolve gen- generation, but you can't neglect the needs of the older generation too that are still yeah. that is their way, and they still have to be able to be accommodated. So like when it comes to the bike path, for example, the announcement last night. So and this is me putting on like. My my deciphering this with right. my with my political acuity and knowledge that I have, I've acquired now after ten years is one it's it's missing. we're not building new bike paths that's important but that's not clear in the message it's not to build new bike paths okay what it is it's it's to the current bike network that exists it's to secure it so you know like along uh, say the Maisonneuve you know they've created the cement divider yeah. they've created a space with the special traffic lights exactly yeah. so. So it's for investments like that to take areas where the cycling and the, and the active transportation, because I even, and I want to make a point of this. I have a big issue with bike paths. I'm going to tell you what my issue is. I don't like the term bike path. Okay. Because bike path is the wrong term. It's unfortunately the term, the pisclab bike path. And I say this publicly, they're active transportation lanes. Yep. They are not bike paths. This is not about cars and bikes. This is about Active mobility, so somebody in a motorized wheelchair, somebody on a skateboard, somebody, you name it, whatever you choose to use, 
this is a path that you can use. By saying it's a bike path, then there's cohabitation issues with yeah. bikes and skateboards and bikes right. and because they're like, right. get off of here, it's not for you. Yeah. But didn't you get involved in some in a controversy along those lines? I did, and I had the I had I was lucky in my first mandate while I was in opposition, I somehow managed to pass a motion at City Hall unanimously that recognized skateboards as a formal mode of active transportation, and now they're allowed on bike paths. But again, right. the problem is you shouldn't be allowing a skateboard on a bike path. You should be adding a skateboard to an active transportation right. lane. Right. And the reason I did that again, and this is and this is where it comes to listening. We're going all over the place, but it's fun. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. I threw no, you no, off no. There. But this is good. No. I had two kids come to Borough Council with their father, two, a 16-year-old and a 17-year-old kid, or 18-year-old kid came because we had put the lines on Verdun Avenue. This is pre-bike path, getting rid of the parking. This is when we did just did the strips. Right. So you're telling people, here's your safe zone to go, and this is, and it's got little bikes on it. Two kids were skateboarding home. Cops stopped them. They got tickets, $60 tickets each. So their father was furious. Everyone was furious. They're in the bike lane. They're on the street, but they're in the bike lane. They get $60 tickets. They're kids because the, they were on their way home from school. Right. So these kids came, and they, they play. And I was like, in council, I was like, Jesus. I'm like, I'm so glad that you came. I have a 60 or a $40 ticket from skateboarding at the natatorium. In 1984, <laughs> I actually have it in my desk under the glass. I have it. It's I, I kept it. And I said, that's crazy that when I was skateboarding 25 years ago or whatever it was, I was getting tickets. Skateboarding is a huge sport worldwide. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Tony Hawk, you name it, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how is it possible that you're getting a ticket? So I was like, we're going to change this. And literally that month I went in, I deposited a motion saying it should be recognized as active transportation. It should be allowed on bike paths just like we allow wheelchairs, just like we allow anything. And that's it. And it was passed. So so, so this is a communication thing because it, it is. last night, what I took away from... Was more bike paths. I, I don't know who the nice lady was who yeah. was bragging about yeah. the gajillion cycles yeah. that have gone up and down St. Yeah. Denis past all the alleyway signs. Yeah. But she was very excited. And the message she, the message I got was... We're spending this amount of money. Here's the budget for more bike paths. So it's a communication yep. idea, and I love this idea of securing it uh, and uh, improving them, but also calling them. What did you call them? Active transportation Thank you. lanes. That's yeah. That. But I've been saying this for years, yeah. and I've been trying to get this message but across. But this, this is what I'm asking: if it's part of the DNA of City Hall, why not just admit it? Why not just say we we're taking the city in another direction? Is it because uh, they're they're, they don't have the, the courage of their convictions or they're worried about a backlash? Like, why not just say... Is it calculated? We, yeah, we, we, we've... Condos have gone up that block the view of the mountain. There's... We've privatized now, the Lachine Canal. There's, there's now... Uh, don't even get me started on Griffintown. Yep. And there, <laughs> there's now streets that only accommodate a single car in yep. one direction. Yeah. That all looks to... A Montrealer who went to Expo or yep. the Olympics, it all looks to be like whatever vision you had of what Montreal was and mm -hmm. what made it such a special and unique place. Ça c'est fini. Benz is closed. Moishes is closed. You know, the, yeah. the, the pool room yeah. isn't in the same. You know, yeah. all of these iconic yeah. things are yeah. all done. The city's evolving. So shut up and buy a bike. Well, so. That's the end of the podcast no. right there. That's, we're going out on that. Mic, mic drop. Yeah. No, but but it's so. But that's how it comes off. Yes. You're not, again, so. 
So you see, the thing is, that is a lot of people's perception and is due to bad messaging, yes, in my opinion. it is. And it's also yeah. due to, I think, people getting their back up against the wall, thinking yeah. that just because you criticize me, that that's an attack. It's not. It's yeah. it's a valid criticism. It's a, it's Maybe it's a question to the form of criticism, but then take that opportunity. If the person's interested enough to criticize it, that means they want to talk about it. Yeah, and They might not want to talk about it the way you want to, but take the time to talk to and, them. And I know this this is trivial, but I think it's I think it it it's a thorn in the side of anglophones even more because anglophones have lost so much. Yeah, right. The the city that their parents, you know, my parents grew up in, and that that we were familiar with, and good God knows there was an awful lot wrong with it, and it was a wash in corruption. And, yep. You know, we could go on and on about city for sale, but it. I think there's been so much lost in the Anglophone community. Kids leave, they yep. go to other parts of the country, their kids grow up in Ontario, and and then these familiar places start to close, and you stand in St. Henry and you look up the street, but you can't see the mountain anymore because it's all black boxes on René Lévesque. Like, you know, the city is changing. It's, well, it, it's changing, and I think, especially in the Anglophone community, people go, God, yes. Like, are we going to have? That's not what left? they say in the Anglophone. No, community. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, they say something else. Yeah. But, 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 do you know look, what I'm seeing? Well, look, in it's just in the years that I did graffiti, right? Yeah, we were in abandoned buildings. That's what we did. Yeah. I learned the history of our city, the industrialization yeah, of our city through graffiti. It's, it's crazy, but that's how I learned it. Wasn't a history buff. Didn't care. Painting in the Red Path Sugar Refinery for five, ten years of my life, being like, what is this amazing building? This playground of of brick and mortar. Oh, this is the Red Pass Sugar Refinery. Oh, it's by the Lachine Canal. Why? Oh, sugar, this, and who worked here? And, oh, wow, painting a, painting under the Victoria Bridge or around the Victoria Oh, who built this? What is yeah. this? Why is it like this? Painting the canal. Oh, what do you mean this was dug by shovels by Irish people, like by hand, uh, you know? And then, oh, the York Theater. Oh, we're knocking down the York Theater. Yeah. Oh, to make a, oh, the, the Queen's Hotel. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I can name a million buildings yeah. that were abandoned for so many years. This, the, the uh, Negro Community Center. In, in the point, like yeah. we lose these places and then you, you kind of, you, you have to ask yourself, is it, is it feels like it's a lot of English history disappearing? Well, it is. It is a hundred percent. And then you, and then you're like, but why aren't you just preserving these things? Why aren't you bringing these names back? Like why aren't the Red Path Lofts? Why isn't the, the, the EV building at Concordia? Why isn't it the York EV building or something? Why isn't, why aren't we keeping some memory of these things? You know, the, the, the Montreal Canadians hotels, well, you know the Queens was right beside there. Why not? Yeah. Why not do, give a little claim day throwback to this? So I think people are at. You're right. Like the more pressure you put on, or the more things you take away. So you take away parking. Mm. Where my mind goes is, oh, not only am I losing parking, I've lost my rights to this. I've lost my rights to. That. Right. And at a certain point, it's just like you just keep taking from me, or you yeah. feel that you feel yeah. like it's being taken. So you feel punished. So you you become emotional and you react. And 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 it and it's again. It's it's a valid and real perception. It doesn't mean that that's what's happening, but to you, that's how you feel. That's what you see. That's right. And if somebody doesn't take the time to sit down and listen to that and have a conversation about it and walk you through things and explain things and give you different perspectives on things, then you're never going to... So by saying, ah, c'est bon pour la ville, uh, yeah. this is going to be cool and this is good and that is good, that's not helping people but come along with it. Walk down Peel Street and tell me it's not happening. It's 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 happening. Murray's. Yeah, well, I, you, you know, know I, I don't want I don't want to go for putting at Murray's. <laughs> no, like I'm not that old. No. <laughs> but 
But if you, you know, Peel and St. Catherine used to be the, you know, it was the, yep. you know, when I went with my dad downtown, there was like neon signs yeah, and was the epicenter. thousands of people. And now Peel Street has got like tents on it and only one car fits. Like it, it, it yeah. is happening. It's changing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's a lot. People are asking for different. Look, Wellington Street, right? Wellington Street in Vermont. Yes. I can speak to Wellington Street. So Wellington Street was super controversial at first. Yeah. But so, you know, we, we have a merchants association comes in. You know, we come out of the 1990s. You right. know what, You know how the 1990s yeah. were in yeah. Verdun? It was. Yeah. And which is crazy because if the 1940s, 1930s and 40s, Verdun was the fashion epicenter of yeah. Montreal, which a lot of people... To this day, don't know that the tramway, that the dance floors, yeah. the zoot suiters, the the navy guys fighting, the boardwalk, uh, the boardwalk, yeah. the old yeah. racetrack yeah. where the last last legal duel was held <laughs> in Canada. Uh, you know the old. How the long old, ago was that? The old football stadium. <laughs> yes, by the auditorium. You, yeah. you know, I can name yeah. a million things. And it's all just disappeared. You yeah. know, but so we have an SDC. They come in. They're like, okay, we're <coughs> going to try to do something. You know, a lot of it at the time I was watching it. I'm like, oh, you're just trying to copy. Saint Laurent Boulevard. I mean, that was it was obvious, very obvious. Yeah. It's like they're doing something cool with their side. We're gonna so they did the Cabana Sucre, Cabane Panache Boiron. They do huge event, three days, four days. Super cool though. Everyone yeah. loved it. Everyone came out. You start to see the the demo the the change of the demographic, demographic. becomes obvious because exactly. now what's happening is you're pulling people out of their. I like to say the hiding places, their 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 condos yeah. and all that, right? So now they're coming. And now you see them on the street, and you're like, oh, wait a second, that's not the same. That's not the same as the person I grew up. You yeah. know that that looks a little different, a little bit more hipster, yeah. a little bit whatever. You know, I'm, I'm more used to seeing that at the Tam Tam or down at the Plateau. Yeah. As a kid, I used to love going downtown to Saint Laurent Street because yeah. it was an adventure to leave Verdun yeah. to go down there, it's, and that's what that's what cultured me. Right? Was going somewhere. I was going to Ben's, going to Schwartz, doing these things. I was like, I didn't need that at home. But what's happened now is. The notion of a of a fifteen minute city, yeah. the notion of transit oriented development, these yeah. are all big words that I throw that I've learned over the time, but they make sense because cars have been made very affordable. Obviously, we know that cars are a lot more accessible today than they yeah. were back in the days of our parents. It's true. There, there, you can lease a car, you can lease to own a car. The, the commitment's very little. You can get it. People now don't want parking. So back in the avenues back in the day, everyone had parking in the back, right? You yeah. all had the parking. Now people want yards so they get rid of the parking spots in the back yeah they green it they make a nice big yard where they can you know have their family have events but then they've got rid of their parking now they got to park on the street but now they've got more cars less parking more on the street but you live a block away from a metro and you're taking the metro every day but you you're leaving car. your car yeah. there so it's staying so it's not <coughs> rotating Excuse there's me. no rotation now the street closes down Okay, so you remove all that first thing. Oh my God, all the parking is gone. Oh no, you add you add temporary. Uh, sorry, uh, not not temporary. The proper word is a uh, uh, meter parking. So yeah. it's like there's a proper word for it. I can't think of it in English, but it's uh, so you have uh, paid parking. So it's it's calculated in terms of time. So you're not going to stay parked there like for six hours. You're going to park while you need it, and then you leave. Right. So there's a rotation. The parking that we added on all the side streets yeah. is more parking. If you then, count the meters, was, then was already there because right. you don't have bus stops, you don't have fire hydrants, you don't have right. a lot blocking it. So you have the parking, and you're never guaranteed you're going to get parking on the street. But that's that's part of the starting. But then what happens is by taking those spots, you're pushing the residents. Now, where do they park? Because they were parking on that street. There was no meter there. and But then they were parking on Wellington. So there's, there's a butterfly effect in no matter what you do. But then those people want to come onto the street because they love the street when it's closed. Right. And then you get bars. 
then here's a problem with bars. You know, Verdun was a dry city. You remember yeah. this? Yeah, of course. 146 years. I yeah. was I voted against the bars at first. Yeah. Why? Because now you don't have that natural rotation. What happens is me and you, we get up, we leave for work at 8:30 in the morning. We take our kids to whatever school. 8:30, we come back at five. People come into work. They come to Grover, they come to a different business or whatever. They come, they start, they come in at 8.30. When I leave, they finish at like 5. They're gone. By the time I get home through traffic, I've got parking. Now you got bars. Now you have a shift coming in that's working nights that are working from 5 to 11 or 5 to 3 in the morning or something. So now the problem that I have is I have a problem with parking because I've got more employees. The metro's closed at that time. I have to come by car. Maybe I'll take an Uber. Maybe I'll take a Caminoto. Maybe... It's like the problem is so complex in the sense of saying that it's not one action or one person's decision or one solution that's going to solve it. It's such a big picture and it's so complex that even I don't have an answer for it. But what I can do is I can identify the problems because they're very, you can benchmark them, you can see them. But the thing is then what do you do about them? Well, this, this basically what you're telling me is it is an issue. It is being addressed by City yeah, Hall yeah, yeah. and it is it is part of... The platform of the people who are currently running yeah, the city. Yeah, because the right. so the, you know the war against car thing is. Yeah. It's the way I look at it is, and I hear it, and I and I get where people feel that way, but it's not necessarily a war. What it is is it's saying, okay, how do we, if if like if you're not going to take your car, yeah. how do I incite you not to take your right. car? What's what's the incentive I yeah. can give you that actually will maybe save you money? Maybe you can do it, but it's just we're stuck in our well, ways. How do you do it? To, I took the metro this morning for. I never me. take the metro. To me, I lived um, for almost ten years. I lived uh, maybe five hundred yards from the Villa Maria Metro in NDG. I was on the metro all the time. It was stupid for me to take my car. Yeah. You know, if I wanted to go downtown, it was ridiculous. It, you know, the metro was right there. If I was, you know, hosting a gig at Place des Arts. Why would you? Why would I drive to Plaza des Arts and pay thirty dollars for parking and go through the cones and the? So it made sense. So if, if transit is accessible and you're close to it, I think most people and it's efficient. Yep. Most people reliable, would opt, reliable, opt, reliable would opt for it. Yep. So that leads me to uh, a new topic: Will the REM change some of this picture that you're talking about? I, you know, it's an interesting question. I don't know. Okay. Because you know why? Because what we saw, and I mean, we're all like again, we're all from the same generation. So you know, like Ama Bay or yeah, or, or yeah, Roxboro, yeah, yeah. or even if you look at Brossard, yeah. uh, what do you, what's the 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 gal there for the buses? Yeah, uh, the the big uh, terminus. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Terminus. But, <laughs> so if you look at those things, a lot of people are driving in yeah. from because they have to come in from sure. a little bit further in the suburbs. Yeah. They park, they pay for their parking, they jump yeah. on the subway and they come in. But so you would think it would work. Yeah, because but you see that around these stations, people are still coming by car. Yeah, because they got to drop their kid off at daycare. They got to do another thing in the morning. They can't do that by bike or by walking, and they'll never get to work on time or something. Yeah. So there's still services and things that don't allow you not to use a car in some cases, well, these, and you've got to use it. Like it's got to be an option. It's got to be an option. The idiotic thing in Kirkland where they're saying, you know, the REM is going to come right here, but. You're not going to be able to park near it. You've got to take the bus to it. Well, that doesn't work for a lot of working families. And, and exactly. So the logic for me and something like that is we we know that somebody had told me that a long time ago. They asked me what the REM project was before it started. Right. And, and this is when I was still very green in politics. And I appreciate the question because I didn't have an answer. Right. The, this was somebody who was seasoned. And they said, what do you think it is? And I was 
totally they were they were fishing. And I said, I have no clue. It's a tra- it's a transportation project, yeah. obviously, right? Said, it's no. a choo-choo train. And he said, he said, no. <laughs> he said, it's a development project. And I'm like, what do you mean it's a development project? And they said, that's they're going to have to expropriate all the land. Exactly right. And then what's going to happen is where are the highest taxes and where are the most valuable real estate? Yeah. It's within a walk to the station. So yeah. all the land around these REM stations is going to pop up to these towers. Well, look, look what's happening at Fairview. Exactly. But it's, now. It's going to be so, all. So you need parking. You want to densify. You want tax money. You want all that. For me, the solution simple is, and, and this started a long time ago, forget surface parking. Force it to be underground because you go to the Montreal Canadiens hockey game, or yeah. and you guys know because you've been downtown a million times and you've done shows there and everything. There is more underground parking available in all of downtown Montreal than there is surface parking and street parking. Yeah, and it's cheaper. Yeah, you're right but, about but that. But nobody knows. Yeah, and I always, even myself, I find myself falling victim to it all the time. I go downtown, I go to Peel, I go to something for like Remembrance yeah. Day, or I go for the St. Patrick's Day parade. I go somewhere. There's underground parking everywhere, yeah. and I don't use it, but it's there. It's twelve dollars for the day. Yeah, but I'm gonna go park in a meter and then constantly be recharging yeah. my meter, <laughs> and I'm looking for a meter place when I can just park and walk and get to where I gotta go quickly. Nobody uses it because it's not well identified. But when there's a hockey game, damn well you will know where the underground parking is because people are going to tell you it's here because they make money off of it. I was it. gonna say it's probably more than twelve dollars for the hockey game. It's yeah. definitely more than twelve dollars yeah. for the hockey yeah. game, but but there's. There's accessible stuff like that. So when projects are built, like a REM project or something, this cannot be an option. It has to be part of it. Part of it. It has yeah. to be forced. It has to be like, you want to develop in this zone. So the zoning here requires X amount of underground parking. That's it. That's all. And it has to be a part of the, the picture. You're you're very good at this. And I, I'm going to get give you a chance to take a breath. Um, <laughs> because I'm not sure you've answered any of my questions. But I don't know if I have. No, it's but, because, but it's because I think I, we've been. It's we've been entertaining. We've been having a good yeah. debate well, it's about because it. I th- well, it's because I think about it yeah. as I'm saying it, right? Because uh, yeah. I don't. Because I'm not going to answer just like I'm not going to give you a cassette answer. Okay, take a breath. We have to thank a couple of our sponsors. Speaking of parking meters, yes. Oh, see <laughs> <laughs> I know, oh, a, I know yeah. a guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've, uh, we've got a, uh, we've got a loaner from Jaguar Land Rover Laval, which is one of our sponsors. And every time Terry flies in from Vancouver to do the podcast, I call him up and I say, Hey, could we have one of those uh, Jaguar F type c- uh, convertible coupes for me to drive Terry around in? And they laugh and <laughs> laugh and laugh. Actually, they gave us the coupe one time, not the convertible, but the coupe. That was fun. And this time around, they've given us uh, a Jaguar XF sedan with an inline four-liter turbo. Uh, it's got quite the giddy-up, and it's a beautiful car. It's uh, it's not the old grandpa Jaguar like they used to be. It's pretty snazzy and pretty sporty. And uh, hopefully, I'm not going to get a ticket uh, because it's parked outside. I still have my Montreal parking app. Well, and thank God that you do. Yeah, we haven't. uh, (laughs) We've let it sit there for about two hours. And knock on wood, we forget to uh, we forget to add to the meter yesterday, and we were okay. But I think it's going to catch up with us eventually. It's a nice color too. It's hunter green. No, it's black. Is it it black? It looks hunter green. Yeah. Looks under. I'm parked right behind it. I think oh, it might, is that be, right? might be scuffed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, short, there was a bench in my way while I was double parking. <laughs> well, uh, when Jaguar Lander over Laval gets that ticket, they'll look at their records and say uh, that one goes to Ted Bird, uh, and uh, and I'll gladly pay it because that's on me. Uh, the XF, the F Type we've mentioned. Uh, they've also got a full line of SUVs: the F Pace, the I Pace, the E Pace, 
The F-Pace SVR is the one I'm going to go for next time. 550 horsepower, which, of course, everybody needs, Sterling. What are you going to do without 550 horsepower? Hey, listen, horses rule the world. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and on the Land Rover side, the Defender, the Discovery, the Range Rover, you know all about uh, Jaguars and Land Rovers. They're quality British luxury vehicles. They speak for themselves. The difference we like to say at Jaguar Land Rover Laval is the customer experience, which starts at the top with Nino and Renato Di Cubellis, uh, their two uh, co-owners, uh, nicest guys in the history of the world, uh, and as a result of which they have the nicest staff in the history of the world. Wonderful people. It's a down-to-earth service uh, at a high-end dealership, and I strongly recommend it. Don't buy a luxury vehicle until you go to Jaguar Land Rover Laval. Visit them online at jaguarlaval.com or landroverlaval.com. Don't go to randloverlaval.com. <laughs> Trust me, especially not if you're at work. That's a Star Rand, Wars yeah. thing. Randlover's not good. That's not a good website to go to. I'm sure they'll appreciate that commercial. And while we're talking about families, I want to remind you about the shopping experience you can have at Met Le Bonheur. I've said this many times on the podcast and on the radio over the years. Buying a mattress is not an easy or fun thing um, because you're flopping around on a mattress with strangers. You're trying to think of what it would be like to have that mattress in your bedroom. You're trying to decide whether you want to sleep on that mattress for the next 10 years. And, you know, before your knees give out, do you buy that mattress today? If you're looking for help and you're looking for people who only dedicate their business to one discipline, it's the folks at Matla Bonheur. It's family-run, it's Quebec-owned, they deal with mostly Canadian suppliers, they take a great deal of pride in that. When you go into the store, you're warmly welcomed, asked a couple of questions, and then they let you go in the beautifully designed stores. You're not hounded, nobody bothers you until you have questions for the staff. I don't like to shop and be followed around. That's not the way they do things at Matla Bonheur. They've been doing it for a long time, it all started... Years ago, at the first store on Gwen Boulevard, which is still there in Saint Genevieve, um, you can still go in there and uh, and get a mattress or sheets or pillows or linens or whatever it is you're you're looking for to get a better night's sleep. That's what it's all about: better night's sleep. Family-run business that will proudly welcome you into the store. And like I said, if you're looking for a mattress, make that your first stop. Find the location near you. There are plenty of them uh, on and off the island of Montreal. Matlaubonheur.ca. You want to do the tweet sheet for a little bit of fun before we get back to you grilling Sterling? About, well, I was going to uh, say you can talk events. now because poor <laughs> Sterling, I was dominating the conversation. Well, there, listen, so. no, that's fine because it's been good and I've been enjoying it. Let's do the tweet sheet just okay, for a little bit of fun. Yeah. Are you on Twitter, Sterling? I am. Um, I've got something I do on my uh, morning radio program on Light 1067 every day called the tweet sheet. I find three funny tweets, which isn't too hard. There's a lot of the funny on Twitter. It can be a real cesspool, a real garbage can, but there's a lot of funny on Twitter. So I find these funny tweets, and I use them on my radio show, and then I find some that I can't use on the radio, just the same way that I wouldn't be able to say fucko on the radio. <laughs> so I save them yes. for the podcast. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, and I've, 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 I've curated three with you in mind. I've done that. Uh, this, for all our guests. Yeah, for yeah. all our guests. Yeah. And I don't even remember the three I, I saved for you, but it's just uh, nothing specific. <laughs> just things that I thought, okay, Sterling would probably like this one. 
So let's uh, let's have a look at what we've got. Here. And I have to say, you haven't called him Steward yet. No, I'm, you were worried I'm, about I'm focused. That. <laughs> I'm very focused. Hyper focused. Yeah, very very focused. Uh, this one's from at Brick Mahoney. So HR says it's unacceptable to bring my lunch in a bottle and that vodka isn't soup. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, but it's technically is it a potato soup? It could be. It yeah, could, that's I right. would just argue it's potato yeah, soup. There you go. That's a good argument. Boy, is that ever a 2023 tweet <laughs> when you think about corporations? Yeah, HR's on the phone. Vodka isn't soup. <laughs> Got to stay hydrated. From at Fickle Nuts. My cat has a lot of audacity for someone who shits in a box. <laughs> can, I just say, can I just yes. say the Fickle Nuts is the part that bothers me more than Fickle the Fickle Nuts? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, some of the names, they yeah, tear, are even so funnier fun, than yeah. the tweets. Well, is it the cat's name? Is it Fickle Nuts? Because no, no, no. That's the name of the account. Because if you're shitting in a box, you might have <laughs> Fickle yeah, Nuts. You might, yeah. Depending on how low they hang. I'm just saying. Sorry. <laughs> That makes perfect sense. <laughs> and lastly, uh, we've got from at three sons. I don't know who needs to hear this, but your baby won't remember your Disney vacation. Save $5,000 and take them to the mall. I, uh, that one resonates closely oh, yeah? because yeah. Uh, <clears throat> somebody wants me to sign a passport so that my kid can go to Disney, and that's not going to really? happen. Really? Wow. Yeah, and I, 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 So I get behind this one saying, Wait until they're much older. They can do something more fun with the 5K. Yeah. Well, what? you know, while we're talking about that, I, I'm puzzled by, um, I've been to a bunch of concerts recently. I'm puzzled by people that take infants, babies, mm. to concerts in arenas, like loud shows. Loud rock concerts? And they put headphones on the babies, or or they, or they you bring like a, a two-year-old to Disney World. They're, they're not going to remember that. When nope. Sam Bird was, Sam was born in July, so May would be, what, 10 months. When yeah. he was 10 months old, we took him to Belgium. But the method to the madness was we went and visited your friend and mine, Michael McNally, right. who was living in Brussels at the time, and the priest at his local parish went to the seminary with Pope John Paul II. So we took Sam and got him baptized. Okay, well, that... By that priest. That's different. You were actually bringing him to do something yes, for him. Yeah, yeah we weren't taking him to say to, to Bruges to go, look at that, that's Sam. It's thing. much <laughs> easier to body surf an infant than a full-grown <laughs> male adult. You realize, right? Like, I mean, if you're going to go body surfing or stage diving, <laughs> I was. You, weight is a factor. <laughs> I was... I was, you know, you you want to go up to these people and say, I, I'm, I'm not sure that the infant's a fan of... Yeah, you know, Green Day or whoever well, it is. Everybody gets to parent the way yeah, they want to I parent, know. right? Yeah. There's I, kids. I mean, in my defense, from my son was when he was. Well, this is his introduction was three months old. His first event was the Irishman of the Year breakfast. Yeah. Wow. So that was okay, but full on bagpipes, Scottish oh, Center, yeah. Highland Games, St. Patrick's Day parade. Because and military events, and the only right. reason is I wanted him to grow up knowing what bagpipes were, and I wanted right. him to be familiar with it. And today he is, but but it's interesting how it's true. Like I yeah. mean, would I take my kid to a concert? Yeah, uh, it's that sounds to me like it's more out of convenience because you can't find a babysitter. That's that's what I think. It, I, that's what I think. It and is. that's a shame. And yeah. that's a shame because then that's you're putting your yeah. you're putting your your interest before your child's. Unfortunately, not to judge, right? Who's no, the, no, no, who, no. Who's the judge? Well, because that is that person's reality yeah, at that yeah, moment that, in their life. There you go. Yeah. You mentioned <laughs> the military. Have you got the military I'm bug judging. like I do? I've seen you at uh, I've seen you at the Black Watch. Yeah. 
I, uh, I've always had a, an interest in uh, military history and in the military, and one of my regrets is that I never served. Mm. Did you? I never served. I never had the discipline. Tried cadets in the Oh, you tried. At least you tried. Good tried on cadets, you. Good on tried, you. Tried Donnacona cadets back in the day when they were still on Drummond Street. That's Navy cadets, Navy right? cadets, And that's yeah. because your dad was in the Navy? Yeah, that's because my dad was in the Navy. Prickly, yeah. Was he still alive when you... Uh, yeah, when, when you, I was in the yeah. cadets, yeah, he tried, but I think that lasted like maybe a month. And Did they have the prickly uh, uniforms? Oh, yeah, they you had have. The, <laughs> they had the prickly <laughs> uniforms, and, they were t- and I didn't like bell bottoms at the time. Who would have known that they would have came back in during the rave in the 90s, and then maybe I would have liked them. I tried Eric. Cadets for uh, I tried, and that was my second one. Yeah. I tried air cadets in yeah. high school. They had an air cadet. Uh, they had a, a core in in our high school, and I tried it because I thought it would be fun to fly gliders and yeah. do stuff like that. But uh, it was the academic part of it, and the studying right. and the drilling it was the part that I never had. So the question is interesting, though. So my father, like I said, Second World War veteran. My yeah. grandmother saw two world wars. My grandmother used to fuse grenades in a munitions factory. My uncle, survivor of the sinking of the Athabascan. Uh, List goes on. My father, after the war, 51-53, signs up with the Black Watch to go with one of his good friends who was in the watch during the Second World War. He goes over to Rotterdam, Germany. My nephew's now in the Black Watch, uh, who I'm very proud of, who's serving in the infantry. Um, my whole family, my whole family, all the men, pretty much all Navy, though. They were all Navy. Like every uncle, everyone, all Navy. And never had the discipline. But it's it's exactly that, right? So when I, when I got elected, I had to start doing some stuff. It started through Scottish community, Sons of Scotland, right, in Verdun. So Sons of Scotland, yeah. Black Watch are obviously very involved. Black Watch, the Irish stuff, all there. And I yeah, I just got the bug. I, I was like, and then I started to discover my father's history. I went to the archives, got his military records, his Navy records, his Black Watch. And then I was like, I'm involved with the Black Watch. My father was a member here. Oh, my God, this is incredible. Tons of stuff like that. And Ever since, uh, you know, like I said, I had a I had a interesting relationship with my father. It was uh, it was always there for us. Lived at home, provided for us. God bless him every single day of his life. Had his drinking, obviously, because of what he saw. But wasn't a bad man. Wasn't an alcoholic. Uh, I mean, wasn't a, a, an aggressive or anything. But he he struggled with his with his alcoholism. And as soon as I was able to get involved with the military, I got involved 150%. And I've been involved ever since, whether it's the CGG, Blackwatch, the Royal Canadian Navy with Donnacona, you name it, I am there all the time, every military dinner that I can be at. Uh, I'm part of the Blackwatch Veterans Association. I'm a proud member of the Royal Canadian Legion, and I have been for almost 10 years. Anywhere I can get involved, I'm now, uh, you know, I was just named to the board of directors of the uh, Fondation Québécoise des Vétérans. Uh, You name it, I lay a wreath every year for Remembrance Day downtown at Place Canada for homeless veterans. I'm involved with homeless veterans. The list goes on. I'm super involved with our fire department. I'm a huge supporter of our fire services and our veterans of the fire service. Police, I've, you know, even though I've had a a very rocky road with the police (laughs) over my life, I've learned to have a lot of respect for a lot of the people serving in the police force. Um, There's a lot of good people that are there. There's there's bad apples in everything, uh, just like there are in politics, but the service that they do, and when I think about things like Dawson or anything, when these people run into a situation without thinking about themselves, when I think about 9-11, when I think about uh, Pierre Lacroix passing recently in Montreal, this this kind of service for me is so important and to be able to be a part of this and to be somebody who never had the discipline to serve but to be a part of it as close as i am because i'm not just somebody on the sidelines i am literally in 
it as if I'm serving and I'm treated that way by the people that are serving. And I carry that privilege and I carry that, that proximity with enormous um, humility and, again, with respect and responsibility. You will never not see me at a Remembrance Day ceremony. You will never not see me at a Battle of the Atlantic ceremony. You will never not see me at, uh, at the, uh, the last post or the field of honor if, there's, if, if I can be there for an event. It's just it, it, it's my way of reconnecting with my father and celebrating his service and what he did and making sure that the people that he served with that didn't come back are remembered and making sure just everything. My, my uncle, same thing on the Athabascan. He, half of that ship, more than half of that destroyer was lost. I mean, more than the, half of the crew, more than half of the crew were yeah. lost. I mean, there was 80, 80 survivors, I think, of the Athabascan. There's a great book on, on, on her called The Unlucky Lady. And it's all about the sinking of the Athabascan when she was torpedoed in the English Channel. And Harry Hurwitz, you might remember the name Harry Hurwitz. He was a Navy veteran. He was the only, the last living member of the sinking of the Athabascan who was a war. He was a prisoner of war. I met him through the legions and through my work with the city. And one day in a ceremony, it was a ceremony in, uh, where's the Jewish, uh, Army ceremony. It's a, a Ville Saint Laurent, I think, somewhere in Ville Saint Laurent. I was asked to go speak for the mayor at a remembrance ceremony for the Jewish community for Jewish war veterans, and Harry Hurwitz was there, and he was being introduced and his family and everything. I hadn't thought about my uncle's service because I think about my father's, and they name Harry Hurwitz, uh, Athabaskan, and you my, didn't and know. I'm like, and I'm like Athabaskan. Wow. I'm like, I'm like, <clears throat> my uncle's a survivor of the Athabaskan. I'm like. And I had the best conversation with him and his family. Okay. After. I'm like, my uncle served with you. My uncle. And this is like, oof. It makes me a little emotional. But I'm like, my uncle served with you. He survived alongside you. You were both in a prison camp together. I'm connected to you through my uncle. But, like, I mean, we don't know each other. But I know you as if you are my grandfather or my, my uncle because of your story is his story. And it was so emotional for me. And, I, and, and it was at that point that I realized that there's a way for us to connect to, the, to this. And it's important. Remembrance, service, paying respect is so important. And I do it in schools. I do the Poppy campaign. I go in schools and I talk about remembrance. I did a great video. If you ever get a chance to, f to go on the internet, you do a search for Poppy campaign, Sterling Downey. There's a video of remembrance. I did that myself with the guys from Cataround Films. Very important. Great guys. Great, great little media media like company, and we did that for remembrance during um, during the pandemic because nobody was going to be able to gather to do remembrance things, and we were like, and nobody was selling poppies. We couldn't sell poppies in banks or anything. We were like, how can we raise awareness about the importance of the poppy during the pandemic? And we made this really important, impactful video, and it talks about not just Second World War veterans, not just Korean War veterans, not just about World War I veterans. It talks about our current veterans who have come back from Cyprus, Bosnia, Afghanistan, uh, you know, Haiti, uh, people have come back from, from any deployment or anywhere where they've seen any kind of conflict or loss or even, even if they haven't lost anyone themselves, seeing other people losing things, struggling, losing, you know, Rwanda, I've had the, the privilege to speak alongside Romeo Dallaire and, and, and speak to this man and, and hear him talk and, and know his story and be like, when you stand amongst these people, it, it's to not want to be a better person 
I, I don't understand. If you stand and you have the privilege to be next to these people or sit at a table or a dinner with these people or spend any time with them and understand and you do not leave there wanting to be a better person and serve, I don't get it. Because there's, it makes me want to do more and more every time. There's a lot, so much to unpack there and it leads me to ask you the question, what what is a day like for you, Sterling? As a counselor, do you, do you get up and go to the office and is that the way the day goes or begins? Rarely, rarely for me, and it's and I and I hate to say it, I, I like to be out in the public, so I try to hey. get out as much as possible, and I try to, I try to serve the community. There's different ways of serving the community. Right. You can you can do paperwork, and you can be really you know well informed on your files. I read up on my files that I need to read up on. I discuss them with my colleagues to make sure that I have a good understanding or perspective of them, and then once I've got that, the stuff that I like to do is be out in the community. So I'm at. And it's not because I want to be at events and ceremonies and I want to be speaking. It's what I've recognized is, is, is going out. Like, again, I get up at, you know, whatever, nine in the morning, if I'm lucky, get out of the house, go to a couple of meetings here and there. Right. And in between all of those things, spend time with people on the street, go, when somebody has an issue, they call me, I go see them. Right. I, it's, it's something I swore to, um, there was a very well-known counselor in Verdun called John Gallagher. Mm -hmm. You might know the name. Yeah. And you know the O'Reillys and all that. Yeah. So I'm brought up by, by the O'Reillys, the Quinns, the Gallaghers. These are the people that are. Yeah. And when I was asked to run in politics, John Gallagher was, um, was very ill and he was in the, the hospital in Crawford Park. And I went up to him and I spoke to him and I asked him, not for his blessing, but I made him a promise. I grew up on the stories of John, like when there was snow removal going on, he would be in his Cadillac driving in front of the snow removal trucks to make sure the streets were cleared for the residents in right. his neighborhood. And when somebody had a problem, John would come to their house with a little notepad and old, he would sit in their house. And old he would, school. So I, I heard those stories before I was elected and I was like, if I can choose to be somebody in politics, that's who I'm going to be. Do, do you have to go to city hall? Do you have to be there? Only for meetings, only for council, for things like right. that. But I mean, I am there a I mean, there's a lot of meetings, there's Can a you lot get... of briefings, there's a lot of files, right. there's a lot of decision-making. So, do, do, Does the mayor lean on you for anything? Can no, you... no, no, because there's a disconnect there because luck, I mean, because I'm not on the executive committee, okay. because I'm not, so does the mayor lean on me? I, I, actually, yes, she does. Can you get her on the phone? I could get her on the phone probably, okay. but I mean. Let's give her a shout. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but so like the Sorry. mayor, the, so the mayor, what, what, no, so the, so, so the mayor, what I can say is, <laughs> One thing that I appreciate about her, and I and I say this in in all sincerity, because every, all of us have our pros and our cons, and so does she. And any don't forget, the mayor worked at Vimy when she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. She was in Vimy in France. She was she did the summer there. Um, the mayor understands my my dedication, my passion, and my commitment to the military, to the fire, and to all that. And I've been given the privilege to be the liaison, basically, for everything that is veterans, everything that is military, everything that is navy. It goes through me, and I am the one present at these things. So she may not show up at these things, right? But it's not but because she doesn't care. Support. She yeah. cares enough, yeah. and, and it's very important for me. Isn't it? She will come to them when they when she's asked, but she cares enough that somebody who is actually invested in it and she knows will stay. Like I'm at the beginning of the event, and I'm there. I'm the last right. person out. Right. So she get she does lean on me for some things. I'm lucky. But I don't ever want to be on the executive committee. I don't ever want to be in charge of a major file. Because the thing is, 
I want to be accessible. Yeah, you want to be and in you your community. Be, and you, you can't, can't do, do both. both. And, yeah. and that's no that's not slighting my no, colleagues. No, my no, colleagues no. make a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see those sacrifices. What happens in elections is people who choose to have those positions on the executive committee or that, sometimes they're not reelected mm. because they're not there. And it's and it's not because they're not doing work, yeah. but they're not there. That kind um, of sorry, Tara, I was just gonna say that kind of answered the question I wanted to ask you. Do you aspire beyond municipal politics? I, I if, if people need me somewhere and they ask me and if people think I can do it, I'll, I'll try to continue to serve people to the best of my ability if I'm asked to, if, if people ask me. But okay. will I aspire on my own? No. If things are brought onto my radar, like this is an option, mm-hmm. I'll consider it. But I have to consider how will I use that to serve. If I can't find an answer to that question – then to have a title or to just be somebody and to collect a salary, I can't sleep well at night doing that. Can you, because you know the history and you mentioned the canal before, can you tell me the story of the pink house? <laughs> it's kind of a little secret. Yeah. I, well, I, 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 it's just a street art. It's just, a it's street. just an art exhibit. It's right? just, it's, it's just, it's yeah, it's, it's an art statement. It's just, it's this, this, this shack that's on the yeah, top. It's an actual yeah. booth that's on the top of the silo. It must've right. been like a, it must have been like a foreman's like yeah. booth for something. They were probably when cranes were operating or whatever. And Somebody that painted. building is, we've been going into that building for probably like 30 years. Painting is very dangerous. Yeah. But going in there, so some people have gone up. Some people repelled off the side of it with, with climbing equipment and painted the, the side of the silos. I mean, people do all kinds of crazy things for yeah. visibility. But out of everything that's been done on that building, yeah. every risk that's been taken by people painting it or doing something crazy the thing that's the most impactful is that pink house. And it can well, be seen from everywhere. Yeah, and I get asked about it all the time. It's and just, you know, just, and I take a lot of pride in knowing all about my city. And I, I yeah, I've always had silo. to say, I have no idea what that is or why. It's just a it, statement. It's, just, it's just something pretty to look at and something fun. We have to, uh, before we wrap it up, and, and we'll wrap it up uh, here in just a second or two, um, we got to say uh, thanks to uh, uh, the last two sponsors of the day. And that includes, and this one's always a lot of fun, um, where there's a mechanical engineering firm that sponsors you know, the, Sean, the podcast. You're doing, you're doing this commercial, Sterling. Sean Smith. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, when he called us, Sterling, I was like, I think you got the wrong Boswin. podcast. Sean Smith, also a member of the Black Watch. He's involved yep. in the association. Sean is an incredible guy. Sean is, he gives back to his community. He volunteers. He's involved with everything. I've tried to get him involved with drone programs at our elementary schools to teach kids how to build drones and fly drones. And he's been trying to figure it out for years. Sean Smith is like just like salt of the earth people with values that we grew up on about giving back. There's no ego. He's not pretentious. He doesn't know better than anyone else. He's a sincere individual. And he's we, got a brain the size of a pumpkin too, he, right? Yeah. He, 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 I don't I don't get it because mine is not the size wait. of mine's the size of a pea. So we, we we had lunch with him and I immediately liked him. And I said, I'm I'm not so sure that that we can help you. And he said, Yeah, you can help me tell people about my company where um, I will take an idea out of somebody's head and put the idea into their hands. If you've got an idea for an invention of some kind, I know Ted is harboring some kind of invention that he's only told a few people about. And everybody hates it. And everybody hates it. <laughs> Including Sean. <laughs> is it a distillery? No. <laughs> okay. But I'm I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm really proud to be able to speak on on his behalf because 
He told us that uh, he's gotten some phone calls from yeah, people. Yeah, he's getting people who listen to the podcast, calling him hey, and uh, awesome. wanting to do business. Yeah, and he started some projects from yeah. uh, that that came from here, which that's is crazy. Great. That's crazy. Tell us about the uh, the COT, the, T- the CTO, the Chief CT Technology yep. Officer Style Service. They provide support with development of your business plans, technology roadmap, creating milestone maps, and making introductions to key stakeholders to help further your technology business. They have packages for that. He'll take you right from the beginning. Okay, here's my idea for an invention, uh, Sean. I, uh, I, It's a walking iron. It walks itself to the ironing board, lifts <laughs> itself up, and irons the shirt. I don't have to do a thing. Right. And uh, he tells you how to, uh, or he helps you uh, produce the product and get it to market and go through all the legal uh, loopholes that you have to go through and uh, start to finish. Like Terry says, he takes the idea from your head, puts it in your hands. Voswin. Voswin.com, V-O-Z-W-I-N. And we're sorry to report the demise of the Bavarian money machine because this was a... <laughs> the Bavarian a, money pit. A, a, yeah, a money pit, not machine. Yeah. Uh, I wish it was a money yeah, machine. Yeah, no kidding. Um, because it was uh, a nice intro all the, all the time to talk about our friends at Merson. Yeah. What are you taking the car to Merson for this week, Ed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I made the mistake of buying a pre-owned German luxury car. Oh, and uh, the never, price. yeah, never, ever, yeah. ever again. The and en- you would have been lost without Kara and Celso. Absolutely, and Charlie, yeah. the, the, uh, the engine seized last weekend, yeah. so it's uh, it's it has met its maker. Yes. I'd like to believe I have a German luxury vehicle as well, Volkswagen. Oh, well, that's what, that, listen, that's what I had before. Yeah, it's reliable. Of, Never exactly. Had any trouble with it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I'm getting next as well. Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah, I'm going back to that. But yeah, every time something went wrong, I'd take it down to Merson. And I always knew that I was, uh, was going to be uh, treated honestly. I always knew that I wasn't going to get the old, oh, boy, that's going to run you. <laughs> I mean, it might have run me in some instances, but that's just because that's the way it was. Tune-ups, brakes, tires, anything that has anything to do with your car, you're dealing with a family-run business has been a long, around a very long time. They're as honest as the day as long. And if you don't know anything about cars like Ted and I, if you pop the hood of our, our cars, our eyes just glaze over. Yeah. These are the people you want to deal with. They're at the same corner where they've been for many years. Corner of Saint-Jacques and Cavendish and the website, Ted. Mercenauto.com. When do you have to run for re-election, Sterling? Next elections are going to be in 2025, okay. November 2025. So, so you got some time. Got some time still, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what, when you look ahead or back, what are some of the things that you hope to achieve in terms of, I don't know, change, development, things things that will be different when you walk away from that post? I What I hope is that my years that I've spent in politics that I've done, one, I hope that the legacy that I leave is that somebody else who will come along is inspired to do it like I did for John Gallagher. Right. That somebody says that Sterling Downey, was not always liked by everyone, but he was respected and he was always accessible and he was there and he was on the ground for his community. And that's the kind of politician I want to be municipally. So I hope that that transfers. I hope that I've created an expectation or I've raised the bar high enough uh, that people will try to honor that bar. I don't know if that'll happen, but I mean, part of that might be my job too is to make sure that the person who comes in and... 
who doesn't like you? Introduce yeah. them to me, and I'll give them yeah. somebody yeah. to not like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but it's but it's it is what it is, and it's it's a question of just. But that's the big fear: is like, you, who's going to do? I, I I think you've already left an impression. You have an, you've done an amazing job. You have a unique approach, and as, as been proved by your 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 three terms, uh, the people have said, "Yeah, you know what? We like this guy, and we like what he does." And as you point out, even if they don't always agree with you, they want them representing you, and that's something to be very proud of. No, I'm definitely I'm definitely proud of it, and I consider it like I said, it's it's a huge privilege. I'm humbled, and and it's never something that I would have ever expected growing up. I'm glad. In some way, it's 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 peace of mind losing my parents young, and them you know them not being at my wedding, them not seeing my son when he was born, and this and that. But I hope that my service resonates with them wherever they are, and that they understand that where they decided to make a home for me and 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 raise me, I've stayed true to there. I've stayed there. I've stayed in the same yeah, house. I impressive. fought for the school that my mother chose to put me in, and I fought to keep it open so other mothers and other children could go there. Um, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, and my father, uh, you know, same thing, the Legion, you name it, or military service. I hope my father understands that he may have had some sour, bitter mm. memories of his service, obviously, but I hope that he understands now that it's like, well, I can honor his memory and, and people who served with him and future people. Like, it's just leaving that impression and reminding people that we have to respect one another. We're a community. We care about each other. We don't have to like each other. We don't have to always get along. We can be tough with one another. We can say things that sometimes hurt, but at the end of the day, we've got to like hold strong, hold fast, and 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 look after our city. And I think that a lot of people want to do that. And we can't. It can't be about self advancement. I, I truly believe that if I, all the things that I did in my life led me to being asked to go into politics, then I have to trust. Maybe it's a little. Maybe it's a little silly, but I I truly believe it. That whatever's ahead. It's not going to be me who's going to choose it. It's going to be somebody else who's going to say, this is where we need you. Are you willing to rise to the task? Will you do this? And then I have to say yes or no, and I have to make the decision. You've been a great guest. Thank you so much. Thank I you. appreciate it very much. Good get, Ted. Thank you very much. Nicely done. Thanks. Standing by, the Terry and Ted podcast has been brought to you by the UPS Store Canada, delivering more for small businesses in Canada. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.